to Tech Junior. Hey guys, it's Eddie. Today we are talking to Rahat Chowdhury. Um, today's episode is all about mental health, so a little bit of imposter syndrome, burnout, and different ways to get help. If you want to support the show, visit us at techjunior.dev and subscribe to our newsletter. And then click support to check out our Patreon and buy some swag. Uh, then you can tweet us at techjuniorpodcast and leave a review on iTunes, tell your friends. Um, anything you could do to support the show is greatly appreciated. Now let's get into it. Welcome to Tech Junior. My name is Lee Warwick Jr., full stack JavaScript developer. Have with me as always Eddie. Hey, Eddie, uh, front end developer. And Scrum Master. <laughs> and Scrum Master, yes. Master cool. of Scrum. And uh, we have a, a special guest with us today. We've got uh, Rahat Chowdhury. Did I say that correctly? You did. That was perfect. Sweet. Cool. Nailed it. Uh, cool. So, uh, Rahat, if you can please introduce yourself and tell everybody what you do. Sure. Yeah. Uh, my name is Rahat. I'm a full stack software engineer based out of New York, uh, currently working at American Express. Uh, also bootcamp grad, um, very recently cool. graduated. It's my first tech job. So, yeah. Sweet. Uh, what kind of um, technology you're working with over there at American Express? Yeah, what's the stack? Uh, so, <laughs> so I mainly work in front end um, in React, um, a little bit of Node, oh, okay. some GraphQL. Um, yeah, mainly React, CSS, and all that. Awesome. Um, so what, uh, what boot camp did you go through and like, how long was it? So I went to, uh, one of the trilogy boot camps. Um, they have them at like various okay. different, um, universities. Uh, and I did a part-time one, so it was a little bit longer. Uh, it was about nine months. Um, I needed to keep my job while I was doing the boot camp. So, um, I would do like evenings and weekends. And I graduated in March of this year, and uh, about three months later, started American Express. Sweet, we're uh, cool. Eddie and I are actually from a trilogy bootcamp. Yeah. Um, oh, nice. So, so we can attest that it's a pretty good program. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it definitely depends on like where you're at and how your instructor is and uh, that sort of thing. But I think the curriculum itself is is pretty good. Um, yeah. But can you maybe? Uh, so it's been about a year for Eddie and I. Uh, this is actually a good, um, lines up pretty well with, with our experience. We finished uh, last year um, in our boot camps, and then we started working as developers in September of last year. So um, okay. my job search process and like length and whatnot was relatively short. Uh, Eddie, I think, was the same. He wasn't looking for, I don't think, that long. It was a few months, kind of like, like yeah. Okay. It was like, it was about, well, I finished in May and started in September. So. Okay. So not yeah, too long. It was a few months. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us um, how that process was for you, Rahat? Like how, how long it took and how many applications you sent and were you discouraged or did you think you could do it? All that good stuff. Yeah. Um, I was definitely discouraged uh, for most <laughs> of the time. <laughs> that was a very uh, consistent feeling throughout the experience. Um, I had started applying a little bit before I graduated just to kind of see, um, what it was like out there. Uh, of course, immediately getting rejected. Um, I picked it up a little bit more after I graduated and I was pretty much sending application after application and nothing 
was going on. Nobody was calling me for interviews. Um, eventually, I did get an interview at this uh, place. Very small, like, star, uh, HR startup where the CTO was interviewing me on a Saturday. It was really strange. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> but but I went uh, just to see how it would work out. Um, he pretty much point blank told me at the end of the interview that he's not going to hire me. Um, wow. Awesome. <laughs> but that was actually one of the most useful things ever because at the end, he also gave me a bunch of feedback um, and like a lot of actionable items about just like going back, reviewing like fundamentals and things like that. And um, based on a lot of his feedback, I was able to improve. And eventually w with my current job, I uh, a lot of the things that he told me uh, kind of resonated. And I was able to improve that for landing this job so that was great so did uh, you go ahead eddie oh i was just gonna just like javascript fundamentals or like yeah what, what, what did he tell you what exactly did he, what yeah. was his advice so I, I i was actually showing him a an app i was building at the moment um it was using react um it was built over like a graphql api and i used postgres on the back end things like that and he, he was basically telling me, like, yeah, I'm kind of focusing too much on, like, as he described it, the sexy labels. And, um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I remember he, he asked me a couple of just, like, straight up simple JavaScript questions and SQL questions. And I couldn't properly answer them. I was like, well, I know how to do it in React. And I know how to do it with, like, SQLize um, as my ORM. Mm. I don't know how to actually... I don't know. I don't know how to explain what actually happens under the hood, but I can tell you how to get that answer. So it was really those things where, like, I wasn't able to explain some of those basic things that were actually happening underneath all of that abstraction um, that he kind of told me to go over and come back with. And um, when I eventually did my um, interview for American Express, I remembered to you know kind of go back to a lot of those just like simple fundamental kind of stuff and came in handy. Um, I was able to actually answer a lot more uh, than I thought I would and I've got a job. So <laughs> yeah, I think out. you, uh, you definitely nailed a, a good point there, which is I think a lot of people coming out of a boot camp and kind of beginning that journey into junior development, especially for front end, they, they hear uh, react, react, react uh, right. or whatever is popular in their area. And so they just hit that as hard as possible and react is tough. Um, especially for a new developer. And so you can kind of get very, I guess, tunnel vision uh, pointed at React. Uh, you can get very hyper-focused on that and kind of not even worry about you know, regular old JavaScript. And right. I think the reality is that when you go to an interview, they're interviewing with the knowledge that you don't have a lot of experience. So the first things they're going to ask you are like, okay, let's test basic JavaScript knowledge and ask you, like, tell me the difference between varlet and const and stuff like that. And if you can't nail that coming out of the gate, but you can, like, re write a React application, like, you're kind of in trouble already, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, when, when I went to that interview that I eventually passed on, it was, it was a pretty React-heavy, but um, it ended... One of the last exercises was just a straight up JavaScript make, uh, I think it was like make a button scroll a certain amount and um, you, you, using JavaScript and make it cross browser compatible or something. And 
I was doing React for every other exercise, and all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, just use vanilla JavaScript for this." <laughs> Interesting. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Was so that um, a take home, or was that at the office? Uh, that was uh, at the office. Oh, okay. So it was like a pair programming thing, or yeah, it was a pair programming oh, thing. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want someone over my shoulder or watching my screen as I code. Were you using like CoderPad or HackerRank or I don't know some kind of tool like that? Uh, no, they just gave me one of their laptops with VS Code on it, and we just went from there. Cool. At least, uh, or at least, thankfully, it wasn't a whiteboard or, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's better than a whiteboard. But yeah, so that's hundred percent better than a whiteboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is better. <laughs> I mean, was someone looking over your shoulder while you did this? Yeah, the whole time. Yeah, um, well, that was that was the. Here, but yeah, like I, I <laughs> no, I, I don't want that. <laughs> Even yeah. under like a non-interview setting, I don't want someone looking over my shoulder while I do anything. Yeah, that'll wear down your nerves. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So uh, that's actually a, a not a bad segue. Um, well, actually, um, I plan wanted. It. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> way, way to tee that up. Uh, we, we wanted to have you on the show to talk about uh, mental health and technology. So um, I think that this is a uh, it's a great thing to talk about because as developers, um, we kind of see things as input and output. And I think businesses see stuff as input and output and the human element gets lost in a lot of that. So, um, yeah, if, if you could take it away and kind of tell us uh, maybe some some angle that you have on, on mental health in tech? Yeah. Um, for me, um, a mental health advocate, um, I've gone through a lot of, a lot of, uh, mental health issues, uh, mainly, uh, been dealing with depression and, um, kind of like on my journey to learning how to code, um, a lot of the, a lot of things like imposter syndrome, burnout, and just dealing with my social anxiety have kind of contributed to that and have been kind of, sort of roadblocks um, that I've had to overcome. Um, and after kind of going through that experience, I wanted to, well, I, I realized that I'm not, like my that experience wasn't anything unique. There's plenty of people going through the same type of thing. So I wanted to kind of give back and figure out how I could help others who are kind of go through, going through similar uh, type of situations. So I one of my, uh, the first talks I did, uh, the very first talk I did at a conference was about mental health and um, tech. And it was really just me kind of like talking about some of the different statistics um, that the CDC has brought up about mental health in the workforce. Um, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of work days lost to mental health. I think um, CDC estimates like 200 million um, days a year collectively are lost. Um, because of some form of mental illness. Um, so it's a serious issue. It's costing companies billions of dollars. Um, so that's the angle to get companies to actually be interested in that. But right, um, yeah. we're, we're all people. Um, anyone who's writing all these lines of code, there's it's, it's all software, but there's a person behind it actually creating that. Um, so, you know, I think it's super important to make sure, you know, the people writing your software are taken care of. Um, so that's, that's where kind of like my talk, uh, originated from. And, uh, I 
yeah it was i i talked a lot about both my experiences and how kind of people who are already in companies like lead developers can kind of help out make things easier how employers can make things easier things like that yeah well uh please tell us uh how how can let's say a lead developer make things easier for the team um you know in general and maybe if he doesn't know that somebody has some of these issues yeah, I think the first thing is just kind of being aware that, you know, it's uh, there are people kind of going through these kind of type of issues. So, uh, like, I think it's like one in four people in the workforce are suffering through some type of mental illness. So you're probably interacting with someone, um, but you just don't know it. I think keeping that in mind and um, also my talk was geared more towards developers. Um, so... I was talking about lead developers and mentorship and how mentorship should be something su taken as like super important um, in any company. Um, I don't think you're a lead developer unless you can mentor someone who's, um, you know, kind of less senior to you or whatever. And keeping in mind that the people you're mentoring can be going through a whole bunch of different emotions, a whole bunch of different things, especially when they're brand new into the industry. Like, almost everybody I've ever spoken to has gone through some form of imposter syndrome, um, some type of burnout. It's just um, like keeping those things kind of in mind um, when you're actually um, going and mentoring people. Super important. I was actually talking to somebody today um, that is a, I would say a senior developer in a company and uh, we were talking about mentorship and mm -hmm. I was kind of hedging out like, okay, talking about junior developers and mentors and lead developers and whatnot. And I asked, well, would you consider mentorship a valuable or necessary skill for a lead developer to have? And he said, it would be nice. It, it, it's like a bonus or something. Really? And I kind of want to like explore that a little bit because, you know, if you think about it, okay, you're a lead developer. Like, yes, you have to watch over the code base, but don't you also have to watch over the people under you contributing to the code base? Uh, yeah. It seems almost like you should have some kind of leadership skills or some kind of mentorship skills. It shouldn't just mm -hmm. be about the code, right? Right. Absolutely. Um, I think the people who are writing the code are definitely important. Um, you're not going to have um, well-written code if you have a bunch of burned out um, mentees or folks who are just, you know, kind of out of it. Um, yeah. Being like being a lead of anything is you're leading people. There are other people there. Um, you can't just kind of ignore the people and just focus on the code. Code has to be written by somebody. Yeah, exactly. So um, what, so you said that you, you have uh, some issues with social anxiety. Uh, you talked about um, a little bit of depression uh, and, and that, sort of thing. Um, what made you want to give conference talks? Because that seems like it would be very challenging if you suffered from some of those things. Yeah. I was yeah. going to ask how you got there. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I think for my, for the way my, my social anxiety kind of works is, um, it's usually for like one-on-one -on -one talks. If I'm just like, it's just me and you in a room or just kind of doing some type of small talk, I will have no idea what to say. Um, I'll just kind of be thinking, okay, I probably sound like, I, I probably sound stupid. I don't know what I'm actually talking about. There's a bunch of like things going on in my head. Um, but I actually, um, so I used to be a rapper 
Um, so what? she like performances and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, like the last thing. <laughs> and that's amazing. I remembered man. like going on stage and like I was never afraid. I never had stage fright, which is weird because I hated weird. kind of like talking to people. But when I was on stage, it was kind of different. So I kind of like remembered and took that energy and brought it into this. It was like, you know, I can probably do conference talks. Um, it was like doing kind of like trainings for groups of people is something I did in my career as well. I used to be in like customer support and used to be like a training specialist for customer support teams. So kind of like taking the wrapping thing, some of the um, speaking stuff I did for work, bringing that together into what I was doing now. It just seemed kind of like a no-brainer, like, yeah, this is, I, I can do this. So what motivated you to, to actually want to do it? Like, um, did you feel like you had to give back or you thought it'd be like a good career move or both? Or um, So I actually went to, uh, one of the first conferences I went to, I went as a volunteer uh, because that price tag was insane. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> and... Um, that's, that's actually like another way I've, I dealt with uh, the social anxiety. I remember wanting to go to a conference and just being terrified at like actually networking and talking to people. But going as a volunteer made it so that all of the speakers just came to me and started talking to me because I was helping them and making sure that their talks are running smoothly. So um, that worked out um, for me. I didn't have to initiate a conversation. I didn't have to um kind of keep the conversation going because they were kind of doing that themselves um after that i after seeing like a couple of those talks and working those rooms realized this is great this is something i really want to do um i remember uh one of the talks i saw was actually someone who works at american express and that's what got me interested um and i actually met my um now boss through that conference um so that's kind of like how I was networking with social anxiety and then like just being in that area and remembering like all the stuff I was doing with rapping and this, um, just like some of the training stuff I did in my career. I just felt like, yeah, this, this is something I want to do something, uh, a way for me to give back to people. That's cool. Cool. Yeah. Was there uh was there any kind of internal struggle about that? Were you like, well, I really want to go, but, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Because I, I, I can yeah. imagine that it's like way outside of your comfort zone uh, yeah. at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember seeing like a couple of like CFPs or call for papers or whatever. And um, I, I wrote them out. I was going to submit them and then I didn't. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and that went on for a little while. Um, I, I, I had a bunch of things written out, a bunch of talks I thought I could do. But none of, none of it just seemed um, to click. I did a couple of like small ones at some meetups. I I did like a GraphQL introduction for a bunch of Vue developers, and I've never used Vue in my life, but somehow I made that work. Okay. Um, and and after that, I kind of like got a little bit more confidence. Did some more meetups, and eventually, I submitted to Code Camp um, in New York City, and. Um, for whatever reason, they liked me. They uh, decided, yeah, come on, you can do your talk over here. And I think I was the only like non-technical talk among like 20 very highly technical talks. So I felt pretty out of place there. 
but um, no, they felt uh, what I was talking about was, you know, good for the community. So um, that just like knowing that someone else thought that I had something to say that was important was definitely something that helped me get over that initial fear. Yeah, I think there's a cool. there, there's a lot in that. Um, so you don't have to be, you know, Linus Torvalds or, you know, Tech Wizard or whatever to get into one yeah. of these talks. Um, you know, the, the like, again, the human angle is important because we're people, you know, working together and building software. And, you know, like we talked about earlier, um, if the team's not working, the software's not getting written. And so right. um, if you got people that are struggling on the team, uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, we should be talking about this stuff more. Uh, processes, uh, leadership, mentoring, like that stuff is as important as the technical stuff. Um, the stuff, Absolutely. you know, the product has to get made, the code has to get written, but the people have to work together to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So... I have a couple of questions. Um, number one, what was your rap name? <laughs> so oh, it was okay. just for hot. Oh, um, I just stuck to my regular name. More elaborate. <laughs> um, number two, um, so you get that first job at American Express then? What was, yeah. um, did you, I'm assuming you went through some imposter syndrome because you mentioned it. Um, what was, can you describe some of that? And what was it like? How'd you get through it? Yeah, um, oh, happened yesterday. Well, good. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> still right. fresh in my head. Um, no, it kind of like happens here and there. Um, I have a tendency to compare myself to um, the other developers around me, even though they have like two to three more years of experience than I do. Um, I tend to forget that part and just focus on that they're like way the fact that they're way ahead of me, and that a lot of times I'm. You know, completing tickets a little bit slower um, and have to sometimes constantly ask for help or clarification on things. And at first I was thinking to myself, no, they probably think I'm annoying. Yeah. Um, I'm probably not being very helpful, um, kind of like taking away from their work so they can help me do my work. Um, so there was a lot of those kind of thoughts going through my head. But... Um, a good, good thing was like a lot of them were very supportive. Um, they're just like, no, it's, it's fine. Um, they took the time out to explain a few things to me, um, gave me like some resources to look through um, that could like further my understanding of certain things that we were working on. And eventually when I started like doing certain um, things on my own and realizing, okay, um, I had to ask for help for this before, but now I know how to do it. Um, I was really, really bad, still pretty bad at testing, uh, writing my own unit tests. But um, recently I've been able to like write a couple on my own and I've been kind of like building up and from there. I think someone um, tweeted this at me yesterday or the day before that, just like look at the small wins, um, take those small wins and just try to build up on those. Um, and that's probably something that probably a lead developer should probably take into account when they're mentoring someone too. It's just like celebrate the small wins with um, whoever you're mentoring and then build those up into bigger ones. So I think that those, that's something that definitely helps a lot getting over. Uh, yeah, that's good advice. 
Yeah, I'm testing not to derail Sucks. or anything, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Eddie's not a fan. Um, yeah, testing is tough. Uh, that, that's it's very hard to understand like the philosophy behind it and what you're yeah. supposed to test versus what you don't really care about and like what kind of um, checks and balances are you building into your test uh, for your code base. And to be able to write them like fresh out of boot camp, you know, like I didn't even start writing tests until a couple months ago. So to, to have already started doing it, I think you're like well on your way to, you know, um, to being a, not like a master of testing, but like to getting further along that road that we were talking about. Yeah. Um, so another thing that, uh, when I was getting out of uh, a boot camp. Uh, my instructor told me because I was like worried about getting a job and being smart enough and, you know, the same kind of imposter syndrome thing. He told me that everybody is on a road and, you know, everybody's like at different points. So everybody's traveling in the same direction, but, you know, people are in different spots along that path. And so as long as you're moving forward, uh, that's what you need to focus on, not how far away you are from somebody else. So. Um, as long as you're learning stuff, uh, small wins like testing, um, being able to do something in the code base that you didn't know how to do before, uh, that stuff is like really important and you should celebrate that. Like feel good about it. You learned something you did good. Um, there, there's no, like we, we have a tendency to beat ourselves up and kind of minimize that stuff when we shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've definitely, uh, I've been there. I'm sure Eddie's been there too. Every day. <laughs> yeah. Imposter syndrome is tough because, uh, it, it doesn't go away. It, it's something that yeah, you just kind of learn to deal with. That. It, it just, it never goes away. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's people out there that have been writing code for years and they're still like days that come along and they're like, I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> you know, like this, <laughs> this is the wrong profession. <laughs> I had a, uh, a classmate in the boot camp um, that I took and he said uh, there are some days that come along where the code is smarter than he is and he doesn't like it. <laughs> he, he had been doing like code for 20 years or something like crazy like that. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, there's ups and downs with anything, right? Yeah. So he was doing code for 20 years and went to the boot camp. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so his, um, his father, I guess his family business was, um, had to do with automation of, uh, like warehouses and stuff. So they would write software to automate conveyor belts and like, um, factory arms and stuff to load trucks. And so they would build these systems, um, for trucking companies and, and that sort of thing that would help them organize how to like load stuff on a schedule. And so he was writing stuff in like, I don't know, I want to say it was like visual basic, <clears throat> way back when. And then he got out of coding and pursued like a, uh, I think he was working for a charity or a nonprofit or something as some kind of like management role or something. And then decided he wanted to get back into coding and it had been, I don't know, five or 10 years or something. And so he came back and decided like, I'm going to take a boot camp and get up to speed. That's great. That's wow. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you would think like, Oh man, this dude, you know, he's been doing this forever. Like just read a right. book, you know, not the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, I think that's cool. just a, a testament to um, how much we we build other people up in our minds. Yeah. And kind of see them as like superhuman and really like they put their pants on one leg at a time, just like we do. <laughs> yeah. And there was there was one uh, story that kind of helped me. Um, someone had tweeted that um, they were speaking to like some developer from NASA. And so this guy's like a rocket scientist or whatever. And he was talking about how he doesn't know if like he he did the right thing, if he can actually do his job. And the guy's just sitting there like, but you're a rocket scientist. <laughs> of course you can do it. NASA hired you. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he's kind of yeah. comparing that to like the rest of us. Like, you know, somebody hired us. Somebody thought we could do it. Um, it's either, you know, we can do it and we're just lying to ourselves or we somehow managed to trick a whole bunch of really smart people into thinking we can do it. Either way, <laughs> I think we accomplished something cool. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... When I, I used to be a nurse before I was a developer and I actually took care of a patient that had worked for uh, NASA. And it was like way back, um, one of the, the space programs where they were using uh, COBOL to develop. Oh. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it, was, it was pretty wild to, to meet somebody like that. <laughs> yeah. um, so anyway, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's talk. We've talked about social anxiety, imposter syndrome, depression. Uh, let's talk about burnout. Um, have you experienced it? Uh, do you know anybody that does and do you have any like tips for them or? Yeah. Um, I experienced it like in between kind of like the end of boot camp and, uh, trying to go for my first, um, developer job. I, I remember just trying to, I had this mindset like, oh, I have to be constantly coding every single day. I need to make sure that I have everything committed to GitHub, even if it's just like some nonsense console log or whatever, <laughs> and just always be active in coding um, and apply to everything and figure out how to get a job and um, never really just taking a step back and just a breath. Um, eventually, I, I just hated everything that I was doing for a little bit. And uh, what helped for me at that point um, when I when I reached that level was just to go back and do some of the stuff I used to do in high school, which is just like look up some beats online and just write some raps to them, not even record, just something that keeps my mind off of things and just uh, relaxes me, which um, hip hop has always been something that I've always like defaulted to whenever I've uh, just been in like a really depressed state. So that, that having just something else to fall back on is really helpful. So it sounds like taking a break from coding uh, yeah. is, is super important. Absolutely. And that, that makes sense. Um, you can only go full throttle uh, for so long before you just start to get tired of, of coding and your, your mind can only absorb so much at one time. Right. Um, and, and taking those breaks is important. So I think it, you know, we really like to hammer junior developers, uh, whenever they're looking for a job and just tell them like, you gotta have side projects and you gotta go give meetup talks and you gotta like watch yeah. tutorials and you need to learn this technology and that technology. And that's a lot. Um, absolutely. It's a huge demand to, to throw on somebody. And the expectation for junior developers is very high. 
Uh, it almost feels like you have to walk on water to convince somebody that like you're worth taking a shot on, um, and, and giving somebody that chance to give them a job. So there, there's a huge amount of pressure, uh, for somebody in the, in the marketplace looking for a job. So yeah, you you have to take breaks. You've got to focus on stuff that you love, give your brain a chance to like rest and process a lot of that information that you've been shoving into it for so long. Um, Mm -hmm. it's just super important. Um, do you have any tips or any good, um, pointers for like people that are running teams or anything about, about burnout or, um, any kind of advice for maybe managers or lead developers? Yeah. Um, so something, um, at work that we kind of did, um, there are times that for, I guess, like doing a retro after a sprint rather than all kind of sticking together inside of a room and just talking as we normally would, we'd go outside, take a walk and just kind of chat, uh, about everything. And I think just like having a different bit of scenery, just like stepping away from the office, um, and just like, uh, kind of putting your team in more like a, a friendly environment. It's like, you know, we're not all sitting around with our laptops at a desk talking and complaining about everything that went wrong in the sprint. Um, instead we're just like taking a leisurely stroll, um, enjoying ourselves a little bit, even just having like casual conversations that have nothing to do with anything. And, you know, kind of bringing in the work a little by little there, I think, um, just creating those like um, different, I don't want to say safe environment or like just a environment that's like not so engrossed into work, work, work um, is definitely helpful. And it, it helped us a lot of just like kind of processing things in a different way instead of like sitting there um, looking at our laptops and reading off of there or whatever it was. Yeah, I can, I can get behind that. Um, it definitely helps to, to step away from the computer for a little bit. Uh, do you, do you have any, um, any symptoms or kind of clues for people that could clue them into, oh man, like I may be burning myself out or like how, how do, how should people watch out for that? Um, I think when you realize that you're taking time away from other things, Um, For me, I realized when I wasn't really, I was paying a lot less attention to my wife and to my family. Um, It was, I was probably doing a little too much of one thing. Um, Kind of being aware of like, when you're taking too much time away from other things is probably uh, a good indicator that you're maybe close to burning yourself out. Um, If you're not like just able to sit back and enjoy doing something else because you're just constantly thinking about this line of code that isn't working or whatever. That's probably a sign that maybe you do need to step back. Um, and I remember like I was kind of like trying to do all these different side projects, none of which ever got completed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was just picking up one thing after another, like, Oh no, this is cooler. I need to do this. Um, no, this will, this will actually help me or whatever. And at the end of the day, none of those things that I did helped. Um, it was more just like, 
it was after I took some time away from things and then came back and followed through with some of the advice I was given that I was actually able to land a job and not when I was just like forcing myself to code every single day. And I think that goes back to what you were saying before that we just need to let our, you know, our brains rest a little bit before we can actually take in all that information and really learn from it. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I know I've, I've dealt with burnout before, uh, not with, well, I mean a little bit with coding and kind of my experience with it really has come from the healthcare field. And if you Google anything, healthcare and burnout, um, you'll just get like inundated with blog posts and articles and angry rants and stuff. But, um, for me, like I, I worked with a lot of people that were burned out and they would be very, <clears throat> uh, maybe jaded or kind of worn down, very sarcastic. Uh, there was a lot of like alcoholism and, and drinking and, and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, I had some of those symptoms, but also like a main one for me was like, I couldn't bring myself to get up in the morning to go to work. Like I would just like smash the snooze button or would just like wait until the very last second to leave the house just so I could get to work, like right under the wire to clock in. Uh, <laughs> I would dread going to work for like the day before uh, work. So um, probably more severe signs of burnout at that point. But, uh, certainly if you're, if you're feeling some of that, like it's time to, to like, look at your situation and, and do something. Um, yeah. and, and on that note, like talking about, um, anxiety and depression, like, are there things that you would kind of watch out for, like to know if you need to go get help uh, for that sort of thing? Or, um, how did that manifest for you? Um, for me, um, I, like for the past, maybe like three, four years ago, I was going through a really tough time. Um, I was unemployed for a little while um, and just like unable to just kind of bring myself to do anything uh, and really just stuck in a weird place. Um, for me, what helped was just like getting help, um, talking to someone, um, seeing a therapist. I still see her like every other week. Um, still kind of helps me through a lot of those things. Um, I think there's a lot of, um, I'm not sure how to describe it, like pride or um, stigma like around getting help. Uh, a lot of people, like for me especially, I thought it made me feel kind of weak to actually go and get help. Uh, but honestly, it's been nothing but helpful. Um, just having someone to kind of like go through and air out your thoughts. Like, um, that you, because some of those thoughts may be like family or loved ones might not fully understand because um, they may not be going through the exact same thing. Um, so just having that environment where you can just let that kind of thing out has been super helpful for me. How do yeah. you go about finding that help? Um, it was a little bit difficult for me. I went through a couple of... Um, therapist before I found one that okay. uh, worked, worked for me. Um, the first person, I don't even want to talk about them. It was <laughs> terrible. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll leave that for another day. But um, I've had bad experiences too. That's why I yeah. <laughs> I, I did. I found um, one therapist who was great. 
Um, but then all of a sudden she just wasn't part of that office that she was used to be in and I couldn't get in contact with her. And for a while after that, I was just kind of like, I'm not going to find anyone else who I click with. Um, eventually my wife kind of pushed me like, Hey, you, you were doing great. Um, let's try to find someone else. And, um, having that support was definitely helpful for my wife as well. Um, knowing that, yeah, um, I need help and maybe she's not the best person equipped to help me, but she wants to help me along in any way she can. Um, so like with her support, I went out and found another person and pretty happy with that person now. Um, I think if you're going out and trying to seek that help, if you feel like um, whoever you're speaking to is not the right person, right type of person for you, it's perfectly fine to just drop that, um, cut off that relationship and just find someone else. It's not, you know, it's not like you're dating them or whatever. They're just, it's just, uh, you know, you're, you're speaking to them, this person who you don't actually know um, every week or every other week. It's fine to find, look for someone else. Yeah, I think you, uh, you really touched on an important thing there, which is um, you can't always, I don't want to say like, you can't always rely on friends and family, but you can't like necessarily always burden them with, uh, your problems. Um, because it's like one, it's not always fair to them. Um, like you've got your own stuff to deal with. That doesn't mean like they have to deal with it too. And like, they shouldn't be your therapist, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Right. Um, it's kind of an unrealistic expectation to burden somebody with like, Oh, we're together and we're in this relationship and you should be able to like, I, I should be able to come to you with my, you know, uh, anxiety and, and depressing thoughts and, and that sort of thing. And you should be able to work me through that. Like, that's not fair. Um, right. so, you know, it's, it's more realistic to go in and seek out somebody that's professional and knows how to deal with that stuff and can be that sounding board for you. And like you said, provide that environment without like poisoning your, your personal relationships with it. Um, right. so, and, and the other thing is, uh, yeah, it's not a, a weakness. Um, you shouldn't view it as a stigma or whatever. We've got this huge problem, I think, in our society where we see, like, mental health as, like, a personal problem and not a health problem. Like, right. oh, you're, you're broken, like, as a person because you need help. And that's, like, crap. Uh, we're a... <laughs> we're a non-explicit podcast and I would cuss there, but anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not, it, it's not fair to that person to, uh, to judge them that way. So, um, like I'm not saying that you, you should go like shout it from the rooftops or whatever, but don't be ashamed of it. Uh, if yeah. you need help, you need help, go get it. Um, mm -hmm. like if people are going to judge you for that, you don't need those people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. can definitely relate to that. Yeah, I, uh, I'll throw out that I, I saw a therapist briefly whenever I was in college um, because we had um, those services for free for the, the students. So uh, my experience with it was nothing but positive. Um, I was in a, a dark place and, you know, was able to talk to somebody and they kind of helped me through a lot of those thoughts and feelings. And uh, it was just, it was helpful. Um, and it, it was something that I don't think 
friends and family could have helped me with. Uh, I really needed to talk to uh, like a, a counselor or therapist or uh, I couldn't tell you if, what they were, but <clears throat> somebody in that space that that's their job is to help you through those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. My one experience is, was pretty bad. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. The guy kept trying to get at, like he thought I was gay and he's like, oh, you, you're kept poking at that. I'm like, no, that's not even why I'm here. Like, I like, have it's all these <laughs> other is, problems. This is so <laughs> bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what an awful therapist. <laughs> yeah. like poking at that. I'm like, no, like leave that alone. There's uh, nothing to do with my problem right now. <laughs> did you, uh, did you walk into a bad sitcom, uh, instead uh, of a therapist? It felt like it. I saw him <laughs> twice and I was like, oh, no, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. Um, I think there's uh there's something to be said about, um, finding a, a good therapist versus just any therapist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but that, I was like super young at the time. It's like early twenties, really early twenties. And, uh, I went and like, it was, um, come to find out later. Like, I mean, I still deal with depression and anxiety and stuff like that. It's kind of obvious if you listen to this podcast. Um, but I was on Accutane. And that had like other issues. Um, I don't know if you guys know what that is. Is that a medication? Yeah, for acne. Okay. And it was known to cause like severe depression in people that took it. And that I think that, you know, added to whatever I was going through at the time. Uh, But yeah, it was kind of crazy. Uh, Anyways, besides the point. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> cool so uh any other uh any other tips for anybody out there that's dealing with um anxiety depression burnout anything like that uh in the workplace before we move on i think um it's really just understanding you're not alone um it's not something that's you know rare to see um there's other people that you can always reach out to um doesn't mean you should go around asking people like hey do you suffer depression too but um it's like just know you're not alone um there's communities out there even if you don't want to go see like a therapist there's like um a couple of these like twitter handles i follow that are um all about like uh providing mental health uh communities and spaces i once like follow this like project buddy thing where um you put in like some of your interests and they match you up with someone else kind of like going through the same type of thing but who also has the same interests as you so you can kind of talk and um there's there's like always a way to find someone to talk to who may kind of understand yeah so even if it's not like a therapist or something like there's other with technology there's like other avenues you can take yeah yeah, hundred percent. Cool. So, uh, yeah, th- thank you for opening up uh, about all of that. I know that's a difficult thing to to talk about. Um, so we appreciate you you coming on and, and talking about that sort of thing. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was a great kind of going through all that. Yeah, yeah. I figured, um, like, I know I have my own issues with that. Eddie has his own issues, so uh, we we figured it would be important to to share with the audience. Absolutely. Cool. So, uh, Eddie, do you have any other questions? No, let's lighten it up. 
Okay, yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let's move on to uh, to nerd minute. So uh, at the end of every show, we talk about like video games and comic books and that sort of thing. So um, it usually goes longer than a minute, but that's okay. Uh, so Rahat, you're the you're the guest. Uh, do you have anything that you'd like to share or anything that you've been into lately? Yeah. Um, so ever since I started this job, I've had like an excessively long commute. Um, so I spend that time on public transportation, just like watching either Netflix or lately it's been a lot of anime. Um, so I recently okay. watched this anime called Demon Slayer. And I have to say it's like by far one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. Um, animations are top notch. The fight scenes are absolutely amazing. Um, it's about like this kid who uh, was a charcoal seller for his family. And then one day he comes home and his family's been slaughtered by a demon and his little sister was turned into a demon. And the whole show is about him trying to figure out how to turn her back into a human. Um, and it's absolutely insane where they go from there. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that show. Um, I think yeah, we, I've heard good things. We brought it up uh, on the show a couple of times before. Um, okay. The Japanese name, I think, is like Kimatsu no Yaba, Yaiba, yeah. which is uh, like blade of the demon slayer or something like that mm-hmm. um what's yaiba yeah. Ki- kimetsu no yaiba, yaiba no, but what's meaning, it, do you know what yaiba means it means like edge or edge? Like blade oh, okay. okay i've heard that in video games and stuff so that's why i asked okay uh, <laughs> just, so you might know you're the japanese. I, I did look it up because i'm a yeah. japanese nerd that's uh yeah. in any case yeah it, it's really good um there's a lot of cgi that's in the show, but it's done well. Uh, yeah. okay. so it, it kind of adds to it instead of takes away from it. Um, but yeah, that, that's a really good show in anime that's, that's out there right now. Eddie, if you Is haven't it seen dubbed it at all, I, I haven't think seen they it just time. started releasing dubs. Okay. Then I might watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I'm not Eddie's, a sub a, guy. Eddie's a dub person. Friendship over. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've like refused to watch dubs for quite a while. I mean, I like to do other things while I'm watching it, so I can't gotcha. I want to <laughs> devote all of my attention. That's fair. We'll, yeah. we'll give it a pass. <laughs> all right. Cool. So, uh, Eddie, are you into anything lately? So I was playing um, the Disney Afternoon Collection. Uh, have you played Is that? Is that uh, uh, Lion King and Aladdin and that kind of thing? Or? No, it's, um, it's like the, the Nintendo 8-bit games from the uh it's uh it's got darkwing duck which is the game i was playing uh ducktales 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 is great yeah um i not uh like a couple years ago i was playing the remake of that which is okay um and the chippendales and tailspin those are all uh, remember like right yeah no nes really oh wow yeah yeah so like 8-bit nintendo um, like if you remember, I'm, I'm, I'm probably older than you guys, but, uh, <laughs> like early nineties, the Disney afternoon used to, they used to have like two hours of just Disney cartoons where they took some of their movies and then made like afternoon half hour shows yeah. with them. So like those. tailspin was, came from the jungle book. I don't know where DuckTales came from, but it was, it has a great intro song. Um, and then Darkwing Duck was amazing. It's basically Batman with ducks. Um, <laughs> I watched and, all these uh, shows, like, so you don't have to feel that. Uh, okay. 
Aladdin was really good too, but that's not in this. Um, but yeah, and and Chippendales was pretty good too. I think Chippendale one and two is in this collection, or is it? Or Ducktales one and two is in this. I forget. But Ducktales is they're all um, Capcom games. So Darkwing Duck is a lot like a um, Mega Man. So he has okay. a gun. Okay. He has a gun. Uh, he can block things with his cape, which is a little different. Uh, and he can hook on to like different parts of the environment. So it's really cool. It's super hard. <laughs> so, um, but it has a rewind button on L1. <laughs> so every time I died, I'd rewind and do it over again. So like, it, it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I was going to say, uh, those NES era games are like brutally difficult. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I have the Mega Man collection too. And I've been trying to get through Mega Man too. It's super hard. I have never been able to play Mega Man. I, I get to the boss and I die. And that's, I mean, uh, well, Mega Man two, you do like wood man and I think metal man or whatever. There's a, a air man or whatever. There's a three really easy ones. And then the rest are like kind of hard. Yeah. I haven't played them since I was like eight. So, uh, I think I remember playing and it cause you choose the level at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, I would just like pick one at random and then I would play it and die and be like, well, this game sucks. And then move on to something else. <laughs> There's an that order was, to them. You have to look it up. And that was my reaction to any game that I just couldn't do. Yeah. It, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, oh, who built this? Who, who can beat this crap and then move on? Yeah. I remember loving the Darkwing Duck game, which is why I bought the collection. It was on sale, like, I don't know how long ago, um, like a PS Plus sale. Uh, but, yeah, and it, it was way harder than I remember. Yeah, I'm sure. Because <laughs> so I, I tried to play it without the rewind feature, and I kept dying. So I use it now, and I got through, like, a good portion of the game so far. Cool. It's still fun. Uh, the only thing I've got is um, I saw the Netflix movie El Camino, which was the sequel to the Breaking Bad uh, TV show. I I've know. never seen all of Breaking Bad. Uh, did Breaking you like what you saw? <laughs> I, I watched the first two seasons. I did like it. I just stopped for one reason or another. I don't remember. What about you, Rahat? Yeah, Breaking Bad's uh, one of my favorite TV shows. Did uh, you see the uh, Did you I see did. El Camino? I'm think? not sure how to feel about it. I don't know. <laughs> it was too happy. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know. I, I felt like it could have gone a different way and been more interesting. I think um, like Walter White's end was very not the happy ending. Um, yeah. Thanks for ruining it for me. Well, <laughs> yeah. So I knew it. I know. I know. It's it's not a secret anymore. He uh yeah his his ending was definitely like everything kind of went in the garbage for him. Uh, so it was it was good to see um Jesse kind of have some like positive outcome from it. Uh, but yeah. the movie itself, I thought like regardless of the outcome, was really well done. Uh, it was a lot more of the like gut wrenching tension that you would get from watching some of the uh, Breaking Bad episodes. Um, so like there's a gunfight scene in it, uh, and it is very, that was actually yeah, one of my suspenseful. favorite scenes. Um, could not like, wow, that, w that was just a really awesome, uh, climax to the movie. So, uh, a lot of that good breaking bad, like 
action and suspense was in the movie, which was awesome. So I, I was very satisfied by that aspect of it. Does it take like another step because this is a movie on Netflix? Like, is it more violent or? I don't think so. Mm. It was in line with the TV show, which itself okay. was violent. Yeah, at times. it was pretty violent. I remember the bathtub yeah. thing. I forget which. Uh, that was like, brutal. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, now this, uh, there's some, some violence in it. Um, but uh, most of the movie is the suspense leading up to it. So, um, yeah, it was just, uh, it it takes place after uh, Jesse escapes uh, captivity at the end of the series and just kind of like explains what happens after that. Like, how does he, like, what does he do? Because he's a fugitive, basically. So, Um, uh, I don't know. I just, I really liked it. I highly recommend it. So Does it start like immediately after? Yeah, he's like in the car yeah. driving away oh, wow. when the movie starts. Okay. It's interesting. Yeah, it was pretty good. I have to finish the series. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really liked Breaking Bad, so um, would recommend that as well. Definitely. Same here. Cool. So uh, I think we can wrap it up there. Uh, Rahat, right. thank you so, so much for coming on the show. Uh, we had a blast talking to you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Awesome. We will uh, please send us uh, links to um, you rapping. And <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Your, we'll put yeah those Twitter. are very good. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll put those links on the, on the show notes if we get them. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, well, thanks for stopping by. All right. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to Tech Junior. Please head over to our website at techjunior.dev for show notes and past episodes. While you're there, please sign up for our newsletter. Um, It goes out once a week with the latest episode and other goodies that we think you guys would like. Um, If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by becoming a Patreon subscriber. Special thanks to all our current patrons. And... Uh, We also have a Teespring store with t-shirts and stickers designed by Lee and I. Um, You can find links to both these things on our website at techjunior.dev under support. Um, Please follow us on Twitter at techjuniorpodcast. You can also follow our personal accounts. Uh, Lee is at Lee Warwick Jr. I am at Ed Otero. The O's are zeros. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.